Christmas is the season of gift giving. And I think the world is hungry for gifts. If there's any doubt, just look at all the busyness of this season, the advertisements, the last-minute rush to buy the perfect gift for people we know and love. Something in us craves gifts. The more, the better. Is it that we live in a gift-deprived world? Or is it that we have an ever-increasing tolerance for gifts, and so we have to continually up the ante to get that same warmth in our hearts or that same smile on our faces? Or could it be that we can't recognize a gift unless it's wrapped, a bow on top, and under a tree? Maybe that's why Ann Voskamp's book, 1,000 Gifts, is sweeping the country. In it, she takes a friend up on a dare to list 1,000 gifts in her life. And she does it. Morning shadows across the old floors, jam piled high on toast, windmills droning in day's last breeze, cookies still warm. It's not a list of things she wants, but of things she already has. As she reaches and then surpasses 1,000 gifts on her list, Anne Voskamp finds her faith, her relationship with God, and the whole way she sees life completely transformed. She writes this, This act of naming grace moments, this list of God's gifts, moves beyond the shopping variety of prayer and into the other side. The list is God's list, the pulse of God's love, the love that thrums on the other side of our prayers. And I see it now for what it really is, this dare to write down 1,000 things I love. It is really a dare to name all the ways God loves me. A new story of God's love unfolds before her very eyes, or actually a story so old and forgotten that it feels like new, when it breaks into the complacent mirage of the storyline that we call our lives. The false story that we refer to with resignation as just the way things are. It's the collision of these two stories, the unfolding of God's love for us, breaking into the world's storyline of fear, oppression, and meagerness. It's the collision of these two stories that we find in tonight's gospel reading from Luke. To the world of first century Palestine, history seems to be taking place through the reign of the powerful Emperor Augustus, with the inauguration of a relatively peaceful period called the Pax Romana. But make no mistake about it, this Roman peace was a false peace, one established through domination. A census such as the one we hear about in Luke was for one purpose and one purpose only, to make sure that the Roman government received all the taxes it had coming, and then some. It was a sign of oppression and brought with it many hardships and much fear. That's the storyline of first century Palestine. And yet another story is quietly and simultaneously playing itself out. Not in palaces or temples or in the market square, but in a stable on a side street in Bethlehem. There, the greatest gift of all slips into the world unnoticed, the crowning moment of a storyline of gift-giving as old as the world itself. It's a story of gift upon gift, of grace upon grace, 
of an extravagant love that spares not itself but invests everything it has for the sake of relationship. See, the whole history of the world has been one cosmic story of God giving God's self to us, of God's desire for a relationship with humanity and creation. First, God shared God's goodness and love with us through creation, forming us in God's image and giving us to each other and to the world. But somewhere along the way, our vision became blurred, and we could no longer see God's goodness in the world around us, and we could no longer see God's goodness when we looked at one another. We forgot the storyline of gifts, and so put in place instead a pale substitute. But God never ceased to love us, and so offered yet another way to give God's self to us, this time through a covenant with God's people that was to be a light to all nations, a way to draw all people to God. Through this covenant with Abraham and Sarah, Moses and David, Yahweh would be bound to this one people and through them to the entire world. It sounds like a simple proposition, that is, unless you've ever actually tried to live in relationship. Sure, God never ceases to love and be faithful to God's people, but faithfulness on our side is a more difficult and complicated affair. When Israel wandered far away from her God, Yahweh sent prophet after prophet to reestablish the bond made with Abraham. But what God desired was a more intimate means of unity between God and humanity, a unity so deeply embedded in us that we could no more walk away from God than we could walk away from our own bodies. And so in the fullness of time, God gave God's self to us in the form of a baby, both divine and human, both God and human being in one person. No distance here, no space for loss. In the incarnation, God gives God's self to humankind, not merely in created gifts and not in a covenantal relationship. Instead, God gives God's very self in a bond more intimate than the world has ever known. God takes on human flesh and becomes one of us. In the middle of a Roman world full of fear, violence, and oppression, God draws us back to a different storyline, one as old as the world. God casts God's lot with us and takes humanity into God's very life, experiencing the tragedy, the laughter, the messiness, the chaos, the complexity, the beauty, our life and our death. See, God didn't come as a baby born surrounded by the pristine walls of a royal palace. Instead, God came to us in a baby lying in a manger, surrounded by the stench of farm animals, the sweat of travel and of childbirth, the fear of being without shelter, the oppression of financial hardship, and the stigma that comes with breaking the social norms and moral standards of the day. What we see in today's gospel reading is that Jesus comes to us not in the beautiful places where we have everything together, adorned with stylish paper and beautiful bows. Instead, he comes to us in the very places where we need him the most, often disguised in ways that make him difficult to recognize. That's the good news of great joy for all people, and that's the story our world needs to know. There is a lot of talk today about the war on Christmas, but I think perhaps we as Christians often wage the biggest war on Christmas ourselves. 
We wage a war on Christmas by demanding that it be part and parcel of our culture's story, instead of seeing it for the radically different storyline it really is. Rachel Held Evans, a contemporary writer, puts it this way. Don't tell anyone, but sometimes I wonder if the best thing that could happen to this country is for Christ to be taken out of Christmas, for Advent to be made distinct from all the consumerism of the holidays, and for the name of Christ to be invoked in the context of shocking forgiveness, radical hospitality, and logic-defying love. The Incarnation survived the Roman Empire, not because it was common, but because it was strange. Not because it was forced on people, but because it captivated people. And I would add that the story of Christmas survives even now, not because it fits with the narrative of our day, but because it is in so many ways utterly foreign to it. So what could it look like for us to embrace the radically different storyline of Christmas? To really believe that God is found not just in places deemed worthy like picture-perfect families or beautiful churches, but to really believe that God is found also in the darkness of side streets, among the poor and the marginalized, in the places of our lives where we struggle with loss, addiction, hopelessness, loneliness, doubt, confusion, fear, and pain. God lives there too. Jesus is born in all those places too. There isn't a part of our humanity devoid of God's presence. There isn't a place in this world that we or any part of creation can be separated from God. This is the giftedness of life that so often seems hidden. Just because we don't have the eyes to see or heart to follow a storyline of such extravagant love. A love that knows no boundaries and spares no effort. It's a love that shines in the darkness. A love that can transform the world and make everything new. That's the storyline of gift-giving that rings throughout eternity. That's the gift in which all other gifts participate and to which all other gifts point. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in